Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. After year looks the same, mistake after mistake may seem the same, and we just we get frustrated and rightfully so. And the temptation that you and I have is to look at our frustrations and think, well, you know what I should do? I should just run away. I should just bail. I should bolt. I should just hit the door and never look back. I should just quit. If I just I, I, you, you look at that situation, you think I could leave him. I could leave her. I could leave that job. I could leave that. I could just I could just walk away. And uh, that's what you sound like when you're frantic. Get a little pitchy. Or the other temptation is just to re- stay where I'm at, but rechoose. Because there is a truth, there is a truth that says whatever we do produces our outcome. Isn't that accurate? Whatever we do in life, the decisions that we make, we would call it the principle of the path that if we keep doing these things, regardless of our intention, we will have certain outcomes. But here's what I want to say though. It's not just about what you do, but actually what Paul says is that there's an underlying belief that you have, and it's those beliefs that are driving your decision making. So, He answers this question, how do you create a new year and a new you and new outcomes? Well, it's the messy and time-consuming process of renovating your mind. Because when he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the idea of renewal is the same word as renovate. And if you've ever done a renovation project, you know it cost you more than you thought. It took longer than you thought. And it was messier than you thought. It was aggravating at times. But if you did it right, you ended up with something completely different and something incredible. And so what we said was, is that you've got to go in now to your brain and recognize that there's a lot of thoughts that you have that need to be tore out and replaced with something new. And the problem is, is that many of those thoughts are subconscious. We're not even fully aware of them, but they're driving our decision-making. And so this whole series is about us unpacking some of those things. And today, today, the thing that I'm going to give you, the truth, the underlying belief that I'm going to give you, it will, it will change everything. It will change how you think about your mother-in-law. It will change how you look at your annoying coworker. It will change the way that you react to the girl that in and out burger that jacked up your order, which is rare. They don't normally do that. But last night it happened. That was like my last meal too. I was like, actually it wasn't mine. It was my wife's. But anyway, um, it, it just, it, cha- it changes everything. As a matter of fact, if you will adopt this belief, this, this is what you need to know. The people who adopted this belief and were convinced of it, they built hospitals. They built orphanages. They literally became missionaries that sacrificed their entire lives to go help people that they didn't know that looked different and sounded different and smelled different and talked different languages. I'm telling you, it radically changes everything. This is the thing right here that if you believe this, it would destroy race, racial problems. It wouldn't exist. There is a belief that if you were to, as a matter of fact, some of you, if you, if you ever left church, there's a good chance that the reason why you left church is because a Christ follower forgot this belief. Or if you were away from church for a really long time or had a bad church experience, it's probably because one of these Christ followers forgot this incredible belief. And here it is. It's so simple. I'm not going to tell you anything new. I'm just going to tell you something that you don't mindfully, consciously put at the forefront of your thoughts. But it's true, and you'll know it's true, and you'll be quick to dismiss it, but you shouldn't. Because I'm not talking about something that you would look at and agree with. I'm talking about something that you would be convinced of. And it's this. It's that everybody that you lay your eyes on is somebody 
for whom Christ died. That every human being that you have ever put your eyeballs on was so valuable that God, God deemed them so worthy that he would give his own life to ransom theirs. That's how important they were. That's how special they were. That's how big of a deal this is. That again, that girl at In-N-Out Burger, I know, I know you had a bad day. I know you're frustrated. I know you want no onions because onions ruin a good burger. And you're so tempted in that moment to get upset, to get angry, to get out of pocket, to give her the what for, to give her the business, to let her know. See, what you didn't know was, is that like, okay, tomorrow you're going to drive to work and there's going to be some jack wagon that pulls out in front of you and cuts you off. And what you are going to probably fail to remember in that moment is that is a person. That is a person that is so special. And is so valuable. That is a person of such incredible worth that God sent his son into the world to die on their behalf. And that is a really, really big deal. Because he, here's, here's why we run into problems with the guy that cuts us off and the girl that jacks up our order or the, 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 have you ever noticed that when you're at the grocery line, there are slow, uh, tellers and that there are fast tellers? And you need to like, you need to scout out your grocery store so that you know, you're like, no, we don't get in that line. We go, this, this girl's fast. That one's slow. You know, whatever. Again, you just don't, because the temptation that you and I have is we have this temptation and it just so you know, it's normal. Everybody does it. The, the, the temptation is to treat people based on how valuable they are to us. Right? The checkout girl is only valuable because she got everything right and got me through that line quickly. The girl in and out burger is only valuable to me because she gets my order right. The person, I'm telling you that there's a temptation in you and I, and we just look at people as how are they valuable to us? And if they're valuable to us, then they have, then they have value. And that's a really bad temptation that we all would naturally fall into. And we know, we know how this works because we know like economics, right? Economics says this. Economics says the value of a thing is set by what it will bring. Isn't that right? That's economics 101. The value of a thing is set by what it will bring. And you know this to be true because if you ever sold something, you ever sold your house, you can put your house on the market and you can put whatever asking price that you want. But the value of the home is what? It's only what somebody's willing to pay for it. So it doesn't matter what Zillow says. It just matters what somebody is actually willing to pay you for it. So the value of a thing is determined by what it will, it will bring. You know this too, cause you've been, you've been shopping before. I did this recently. I was shopping and I saw a pair of jeans that was cool. And I'm like, man, those jeans are awesome. And then I looked at the price tag and they were like 200 bucks. And I'm like, they ain't that awesome. They're okay. Awesome. Now. They're not $200 awesome. No, thank you. I don't wear $200 jeans. Why? Because I just, I just don't sit right with me. And so my, my point is, is that the value of thing, and so sometimes we look at things, sometimes we look at people, and we start determining what is their value, and their value is determined by what value they bring to us. And that's a temptation. Or have you ever done this? Is the, the, here's another temptation, is that we only value things that are valuable to other people, or we only value people that the people we value value. You ever notice that? This is, guys, this is why you value your mother-in-law. If you ever met your mother-in-law on the street, you probably wouldn't care that much about her. You wouldn't think much about her. You wouldn't, as a matter of fact, if you just met your mother-in-law in a social setting and she wasn't your mother-in-law, you might not even like her. But why do you treat your mother-in-law right? Because you have a wife that you have to live with. 
and you need to sleep in your bed tonight. Right? Like you want to have sex again one day. So, so if you ever want to have good relationships with your wife, what do you do towards your mother-in-law? And I'm not saying that this is evil or wrong. I'm just telling you it's the, this is the way the world does it. But Paul says, don't do it the way that the world does it. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. That's the way the world does it. And I'm not saying it's always evil or always bad. But what, 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 I'm telling you, there's something incredible in the scriptures where it says this. It says that people are of such incredible value. People are of such incredible worth that Jesus died on their behalf. And the way the world does it is always a little bit backwards. And again, we're trying to say, don't conform to the world. Actually, we want to live transformed lives and renew our mind. And so instead of just valuing people because of what they can bring to us or just valuing the people that the people we value value. As a matter of fact, I remember this happened to me. I was hanging out in this environment. We were sitting down in a social setting and a new guy, older guy was introduced and they're like, hey, this is so-and-so. I won't tell you his name. He was, this is so-and-so. And I'm like, hey, I'm just, I'm friendly. I'm a nice human being-ish, you know? And so, so I'm just friendly and nice. And then he gets up to go use the bathroom. And my buddy goes, oh, yeah, by the way, he's worth $400 million. So when he comes back, I'm like, hey, man, how was it? Are you, you know, like, how's it going? Everything come out smoothly? Like, what's, so what's going on? you like, everything changed. Um, why my values all of a sudden this guy had what he's worth what oh my lord like do you get my point it's so natural in you and i to look at people and as soon as we think what they can do for us or what their value is to other people although it changes everything and what i'm telling you is there's a powerful underlying belief that if you will have at the forefront of your mind it will change everything Because what you will realize is, is that the person who's dead broke and the person who's worth $400 million, they are both of incredible and yet equal value to your heavenly father. And how you treat them is of the utmost importance. And the way the world would say, the world would say you just treat people by based on the value that they bring to you, or if people value them, then you can value them. But then, see, this is why there's, there's a guy named Soren Kierkegaard that wrote, he was a Danish philosopher and Christian man, and he wrote a book of parables. And one of his parables, he wrote a parable about thieves who broke into a jewelry store and stole nothing. All they did was rearrange the price tags so that the next day people were going in and spending tons of money on cheap And spending almost nothing on incredible value. And the point of the parable was that you and I live in a world where thieves have broken in. And they switch the price tags. Because now the things that we spend our whole life chasing and pursuing. The things that we spend the most amount of time and money on. We get to the end of their life and we realize that was cheap. And then all of a sudden we get this new biblical worldview. We realize every human being, every person you've ever laid your eyeballs on. Is so incredibly precious. Is so incredibly valuable. And they realize, oh, somebody changed the price tags. I didn't know. Because this is what you got to remember. Only people make it into eternity. All your trinkets, all your gadgets, all your collectibles, your houses, your cars, they don't make it. People make it. And so there's this thing that, that takes place when you shift it. And this is how the Apostle John actually is trying to teach it to his people. And he says this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. I'm going to define it for you. It, and it's not that we love God. That's not, that's not the love. But that he loved us. And sent his son 
as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since, everybody say since, since God so loved us, we also ought, everybody say ought. Everybody say since, everybody say ought. What he's saying is this, he goes, I want you to actually begin to look at people the way God looks at people. So since God so loved us, that's the world, by the way. Remember, God so loved the world that he gave his only God. So, so, so since he loved us, we ought. Everybody say ought. Ought is actually an accounting term. So when, when John uses this word, he goes, you know, now here's the deal. You, you, you don't owe God anything. Jesus paid it all. But because God looked at people and deemed them so valuable, if there's any ought in your life, it's not that you owe God anything. It's that you owe it to people because God has determined their value. Because again, the value of a thing is based on what it will bring. And what did God give in, in, in the ransom for people? He gave his own life. And so he goes, this is the idea that you ought. This is what, this is what takes place every time that you interact with people because here's, here's what happens now. Now all of a sudden, thank you becomes powerful. That person that served you, the waitress that served you, the person in that service industry, the people that did something for you, a thank you is an incredibly powerful. You know what else is is powerful? Please. Because see, when you go around barking orders at everybody and thinking that everybody else owes you, there's no please on your lips. But what you realize is, is because God so loved us and because God gave his life for us, we also ought to love one another. And, and, and this is the idea is that now please is powerful because I'm talking to somebody of incredible worth and incredible importance to your heavenly father. Have you ever noticed how you change the way that you talk to people based on how valuable they are? Please and thank you become powerful. It was great to meet you. How can I help you today? Have a great day today. All of a sudden, the most tiny interactions become powerful because if this is at the forefront of your mind, now everything matters. Listen, listen, listen. Guys, the way that you talk to your wife, it matters. See, like what you didn't realize was is that she's not just your wife. She's actually a person for whom Christ died. That's a really big deal. Like wives, 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 because sometimes y'all crazy too. Your husband's not just your husband. See, sometimes we say stuff and we're like, oh, it's just my husband. Oh, it's just my wife. No, 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 no. It's not just, it's a person for whom Christ died. See, sometimes we don't know and we lose sight of the value of a thing. There's a story, this this is hilarious to me as a Bible guy. There's a guy who met a new friend and he found out that his friend was a Bible lover, like an ancient book historian, book collector. And he goes, oh man, that's crazy. I literally just threw away a Bible. The guy was like, what? He goes, yeah, it was one of those old ancient family heirlooms been stuck up in the attic forever. I mean, like, I don't even know how old this thing was. He goes, why did you throw it away? He goes, I don't know. It just wasn't worth anything. It was, it was old. Some Guten guy made it or something. Guy says, Gutenberg? He goes, yeah, that's it. Gutenberg? That's one of the first Bibles ever made. Some guy just literally sold one of those for about $2 million. The guy's like, well, this one wouldn't have been worth anything. Some guy named Martin had scribbled in German all over the thing. (laughs) Martin Luther? 
The guy had no, you see, this is what you don't know. What you don't know is, is when you look to your wife and you look to your husband and you speak to that person in the street or you speak to that person in the service industry, when you look at that other person at church who stole your parking place, when you look at, I'm telling you, what you don't realize is, is that you, you may not know the value of a thing. And this requires, I'm telling you what this requires, not only do you have to believe it, you have to be convinced of it, but you also have to be incredibly mindful of it. What you have to be mindful, this is, this is what I think about God is mindful of us. Think about this. Psalms 8 verse 3 says this. David says, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. And this is, what is what he's saying? Hey, look at how grand creation is. I mean, if you've ever been out in creation, this thing is incredible. This thing is outstanding. This thing is just You can't even describe it all. He goes, and when I consider all that, and then I consider this, what are we doing here? Like, what is, what is mankind? In all of creation, you chose one singular part of that creation to make the apex of your creation to actually put a stamp on it. The Bible says in Genesis 1 that we are made in the image and likeness of God and unlike any other thing. And what he's saying is this. He goes, in all of creation, like this whole grand, incredible thing, yet you chose people, human beings. You are so mindful of them. We are even beings that you care for. Every person that you have ever come eyeball to eyeball with is a person made in the image of God. The next time you think about the homeless person or the person worth $400 million, they are made in the image and likeness of God. That person that brings incredible value to you or the person that is a stranger and you might not ever see them again, they are someone for whom Christ died. So this belief this is why it's so powerful, is the on-ramp to all kinds of incredible things. Like this belief is the driving force behind patience, behind kindness, behind generosity, behind evangelism. Like all the things that I could spend time teaching you on, they would already be ingrained in you. If you truly believed, and not just believed it in the sense that you agreed with it, but you were convinced of it, and you were mindful of it. This is the belief that would be the on-ramp to patience. Because now every time somebody doesn't give you what you want, when you want it, how you want it, you're, you're, you're tempted to get mouthy, you're tempted to be rude, you're tempted to be, you would never do that if you recognize, no, that's a daughter of the king. Shh, shut your mouth. No, 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 you don't know how valuable he is to your heavenly father. We're not going to talk to them that way. No, listen, listen, listen. This does not mean that you become a pushover in life. This doesn't mean that, that you're a doormat to other people. This doesn't mean that you never have conflict again. This doesn't, but it does mean that when conflict arises, like you slow your roll. You're just a little more caught. You're a little more careful. You're a little bit more like, I just, I want to be thoughtful with how I handle this. How would I talk to this person if I understood how truly valuable they were? And the greatest gauge, I've always talked about this with couples in marriage counseling. Like, like, like guys and girls, you need to listen to this. The way that you talk to your spouse, the greatest framework that I can typically give you is simply this. How would you talk to your spouse if they weren't your spouse, but in your mind, they were this older, wiser, and incredibly respected person in your life? And you had issue with them. How would you bring it? How would you talk to it? How would you frame it? How would you start the conversation? Because normally when we start a conversation, how many on a scale of like one to 10, wherever you start a conversation, if it's Conflict, it's only going up from there. Man, you'd be, you'd be rolling in on pillows. Be like, hey, 
Uh, just wanted to bring it to your attention. I uh, didn't know if you knew. It's, it's not a big deal. But hey, I just wanted you to know, I would really appreciate it if we don't start like that. We're like, hey, pick your crap up off the floor. That's different, isn't it? It's different. It's different. I'm telling you, it has to be mindful. It has to be. And I'm telling you, all the patience that you need in life, it starts with this. All the kindness that you need in this life. Listen to this. The golden rule is driven by this. The golden rule, which is treat other people the way that you want to be treated. The idea of love one another, even as I have loved you, which, by the way, is the key command to all of Scripture. And all of Scripture surrenders and submits to that one. That's it. It's driven by this, this belief that every human being is made in the image and likeness of God. They are a person for whom Christ died. And because of that, they have incredible worth and value. It drives generosity. Why do you think we give every week? Why do you think we give to missionaries? Why do you think we give to the poor? Why do you think we give to the hungry? Why do you think we give to, 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 to so we can advance the gospel? Why, why do you think we do that? It's because underlying everything that we do is a belief that every person is made in the image and likeness of God. And they are a person for whom Christ died. There's a story of, uh, of millionaires. There was, uh, I think, 300 millionaires on the Titanic when it sank. And there was one of them, and I can't pronounce his name. He's got a really weird name. But he left $300,000 in cash and jewels on the Titanic. And they asked him, why didn't you try to carry that stuff with you? He said, when I went back to my room, I grabbed three oranges. It was the only thing that seemed to matter. See, when your life is on the line and you truly understand life and death and eternity and what's really valuable and what's really important, your, your economics change, don't it? Like, like all of a sudden the things that you thought were so important aren't as important anymore. And you realize, no, people are the most important thing in this life. When it comes to life and death, when it comes to eternity, it's people that matter. People are the most important thing. I'll close with this. C.S. Lewis has this incredible, uh, he's one of my favorite authors. If you've never read Mere Christianity, you you should go read it probably once a year. But it's an incredible book and and he's got a lot of, a lot of great stuff. He's the guy that wrote Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, but he's got this chapter where he talks about, in eternity, we will have different bodies than what we currently have now. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Woo! Um, but he talks about how these e- eternal bodies that we have will be different than what we currently have. He says it and describes it like this, and I think you should think about it. He goes, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would strongly be tempted to worship. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another. All friendships, all love, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Let's pray this morning. Every person, the ones you like and the ones you don't like. This is why in Christianity we we build hospitals and we send missionaries and we, we build orphanages and we feed and clothe people. This is why we do that. There's no... There's no anger in Christianity. We're not trying to hurt people or blow people up or fight people. Why? Because there's a fundamental underlying belief that says every human being was made in the image and likeness of God. And every human being 
is a person so valuable that Christ died for them. That should be the powerful and underlying thought behind every interaction we have with people. From our spouse, where it's easy to take them for granted, our kids, our parents, co-workers, neighbors, the neighbor that you don't like, the neighbor that's got the hoarding thing, the neighbor that didn't fix the fence, the neighbor that never mows his side of the lawn and you have to mow it for him. It's annoying. But they are still a person for whom Christ died. The people that you love, the people that you care about. This is why we pray for people. Because we believe that they're important. Is there anybody in your life who you say, man, they're made in the image and likeness of God, but I think I may have damaged that image. I think I may have hurt them. I may have offended them. I think I was rude to them. I think, I think today might be the day where we start a process towards forgiveness. Today might be the day where we reach out to somebody and apologize. We, we send a letter and we say we're sorry. We, we send a letter and we own up and take responsibility for something. And all we might simply say is, that, hey, I, I, in that moment, I did not treat you with the dignity and worth and the value that you had. Is there any relationship that you might need to repair in light of this? And could it be that, Heavenly Father, you would help us to be mindful of it? That, God, from this day forward, you would be mindful of it. And so here's my challenge to you, New Beginnings, because it's, it's just too hard for me to say I want you to be mindful of this for the rest of your life. I want you to try to be mindful of this tomorrow. And this is my dare. This is my challenge. Tomorrow, when you wake up in the morning, whether you write it down, whatever it is, I want you for the entire day to try to treat every human being. Could, could you imagine if we treated everybody that they were made in the image and likeness of God and somebody for whom Christ died, how that would propel us into powerful encouragement? Like we would just simply say, oh, did you know how awesome you were? I would just want to encourage you. Thank you so much. You know what I love about you? You know what I like about you? I'm telling you, what if for just tomorrow you treated every human being as if they were a person for whom Christ died? And you did it with your kindness and you did it with your encouragement. You did it with your generosity and you did it with your patience. What kind of an impact would that make in your house if you did that? What kind of impact would that make in your world and in your job if you did that? What, what, what would it make in our church if we lived and treated each other like that? What an incredible, powerful thought. Every person is a person for whom Christ died. Lord, we thank you that that includes us today. That you deemed me so valuable that you would give your life on behalf of mine. So today, Lord, I respond with incredible gratitude, but God, also that I ought to go give it to others around me. Lord, that is my prayer in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can you give Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.